0: Good morning and welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza on this live broadcast from Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Monday, February 5th, 2024. Twenty-three people were killed in the contested Abye area over the weekend. These attacks happened on the 3rd and the 4th of February in the villages of Malwal Aliu,
1: Banton, a Abathok, Mahbong, Awal, and the eastern part of Rumamere.
0: And a senior Vatican official visiting South Sudan calls on South Sudanese leaders to prepare the country for upcoming election.
2: I repeat the Holy Father's message to civil authorities and diplomats in Juba, stressing the need for unity, reconciliation, cooperation, and peace. We'll have these stories and
0: more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. A Vatican official visiting South Sudan says little has changed in the country since Pope Francis visited one year ago. Cardinal Michael Sanjay calls on South Sudanese leaders to work for Peaceful, fair and credible elections in December. The head of the Catholic Church in South Sudan, Cardinal Stephen Ameyu, says the latest visit by the Vatican official shows the country is important to Vatican. For VOA news, Manyang David Maya reports from Juba.
3: During a mass at St. Teresa Cathedral Sunday, visiting Vatican official Cardinal Michael Zenni said there has been little progress in South Sudan since Pope Francis' visit to the country in what was called an ecumenical pilgrimage of peace.
2: I repeat the Holy Father's message to civil authorities and diplomats in Juba, stressing the need for unity, reconciliation, cooperation and peace. He evoked the Nile, the River Nile, to inspire a change in political will. He said, just as the Nile leaves its sources to begin its course, so the course of history will leave behind the enemies of peace And bring renown to those who are true peacemakers.
3: Pope Francis paid a historic visit to South Sudan in February last year. He traveled to Juba with the Bishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and Moderator General of the Church of Scotland, Ian Greenshields, to encourage South Sudanese leaders to work for peace. Cardinal Zeni says his visit demonstrates the Vatican's continued solidarity with the South Sudanese. He had his political leaders to prepare the country for free and fair elections.
2: This is a critical moment in the political life of your country. As you prepare for general elections, please pray and work hard to ensure that they are fair, transparent and credible, nonviolent, inclusive and peaceful. To achieve this, there is groundwork to be done putting into place needed infrastructures in the political sphere, preparing your minds and hearts for a possible transition.
3: Zeni says peaceful transfers of power demonstrate political maturity, good governance and holistic development. The head of the Catholic Church in South Sudan, Cardinal Stephen Ameyu, says ZENI's visit comes at the right time as the country prefers for elections in December. Your visit to South Sudan may change
0: many attitudes of people, especially at this time when we are preparing to have election. There are still some Thomases who are still doubting whether the election will occur as is stipulated by the revitalizer agreement. But we know that we have
3: to prepare ourselves as a church to help our people to prepare themselves for this coming election. Cardinal Zeni planned to meet with President Salfakir and other leaders to encourage them to prepare the country for a peaceful elections. He is scheduled to visit internally displaced persons in the Upper Nile State capital, Malakal, later this week. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayor in Juba.
0: The United Nations Interim Security Force for ABA says... Twenty-three people were killed and 17 others injured during a fresh outbreak of attacks in southern part of Abia over the weekend. UNICEF spokesperson Antoinette Midday, told my colleague Nabil Biaggio, the series of attacks by armed attackers on civilians took place on the 2nd and the 4th of February in several villages across the area.
1: The southern part of Abia over the weekend experienced a fresh outbreak of armed attacks. Which resulted in a number of civilian deaths and injuries, kidnappings, the burning of villages, and theft of cattle. These attacks happened on the 3rd and the 4th of February in the villages of Malual Aleu, Banton, Awolhom, Home, Abathok, Matbong, Awal, and the eastern part of Romamer. The attacks included the use of heavy weapons such as rocket-propelled grenades and mortars, according to initial reports, 23 people were killed during the attacks, and 17 others were injured.
4: That's only the over Nations the weekend, right? The 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 death toll This is over the
1: weekend. Yes, this over the weekend. We had attacks on the 23rd and 20, 28th of January, and the numbers impacted during that attack are different from this one.
4: Uh, including Unis two peacekeepers peace keep- uh, that were killed.
1: Yes. These um, uh, peaceful peacekeepers were targeted in this attack, um, and an uh, armored personnel carrier, which was came under heavy fire and was extensively damaged in an ambush. Ghanaian UN peacekeepers at a base in Mara- Mariala Chak were also fired upon before the attackers were repelled by our Ghanaian peacekeepers. I just want to add that uh, UNESCO Peacekeepers are currently sheltering and providing basic support to over 2,000 displaced people in its bases, and this includes hundreds of children, pregnant women, the elderly, and people with disabilities.
4: What is the total uh, death toll? Because like you rightly mentioned this, the attacks over the weekend uh, were separate from uh, uh, the attacks uh, a few days earlier where two peacekeepers were were killed and several civilians as well. How many people have been killed, let's say, in the last uh, two weeks in Abia now?
1: So in the initial attack, uh, there were 52 civilians who were killed and 64 injured. In the current attack, and these are initial numbers, eh? The initial numbers are 23 people killed and 17 injured.
4: And... Can you uh, provide uh, more insight into the identity and motives of the armed attackers responsible for the recent at, outbreak of violence?
1: At the moment, the mission has instituted an investigation and uh, will provide more information once the identities have been, con- have been established.
4: In terms of your response, like given the use of heavy weapons, like you mentioned, like rocket-propelled grenades, mortars, uh, what is steps is uh, UNISFA taking to enhance um, maybe its capacity to protect civilians?
1: UNISFA has intensified its patrols. We are currently undertaking joint land and air patrol to deter the further violence and protect civilians. We have intensified our, our efforts to engage with the local leaders, authorities, community leaders, the civil society and other stakeholders to prevent retaliatory attacks and we are calling for an immediate ceasefire of hostilities and respect of international humanitarian law as well as the protection of civilians in the rba box and of course in our engagements with the stakeholders we are urging for their cooperation in ensuring that uh, perpetrators are held accountable and peace is restored in ABA.
4: these attacks are reoccurring every now and then and sometimes they're blamed on neighbors in twitch attacking the people of ABA. Uh, sometimes it's internal. Some t- in the past, it used to be uh, militias and nomads from Sudan. Uh, given that UNISFA is a Chapter 7 peacekeeping mission with the mandate to use force to prevent uh, such attacks and to protect civilians, how do you respond to some of the criticism that maybe UNISFA is not doing enough?
1: As I've mentioned, since the attacks over the last one week, And and of course, that's what the mission has been doing. The mission has uh, increasingly intensified its patrols. We are undertaking air patrols, land patrols. We are taking patrols during day and night. And these patrols are joint patrols. So we brought in the Indian peacekeepers, the Pakistani peacekeepers and the Ghanaian peacekeepers undertaking joint patrols to enhance security within the affected areas. We are also engaging at the highest level, both at local level with the local leaders and community leaders, as I mentioned, with the civil society, but also at the highest political levels in capitals in Juba to ensure that uh, the situation is brought under control and peace is restored. As you might be aware, there were presidential orders that were issued most recently, and that indicates engagement in the RBA issue at the highest level, even within the capital in Japan.
0: That's Antoinette Midday, the spokesperson of the United Nations Interim Security Force for ABA. He spoke with my colleague Nebel Biagio this past hour. <music> the French medical charity Doctors Without Borders says At least one child is dying every two hours in Sudan's Zamzam camp, one of the largest and oldest camps for displaced people in that country. Reuters spoke with the head of the group's emergency response in Sudan, Clara Nicolette, and she said before the start of the conflict last April, people in the camp relied on international support for food, health care, including clean water. But now, she says, they have been almost left and abandoned. Still on Sudan, Kenya's prime cabinet secretary and the uh, cabinet secretary for foreign and diaspora affairs, musalia Mudavidi, says his country has not taken sides in the Sudanese conflict. Hoba Abdi of the Swahili service asked Mudavidi about Kenya's relationship with the paramilitary rapid support forces, and here is what he said
5: Kenya is neutral in this process. And Kenya would like to see a peaceful resolution uh, to the Sudan uh, crisis. Um, both parties have been to Nairobi. Burhan has been to Nairobi, and so has Degalo. The Gadu has been to Nairobi. So it is not. You cannot now wake up and say that there is one entity that is favoured against the other. Uh, and. The other point I would like to point out is that, to bring out, is that uh, during the non aligned movement sessions, uh, there was a meeting of IGAD on the sidelines. Um, And uh, the factions in Sudan were invited uh, in Kampala. De Gallo came, uh, but Burhan did not uh, come. Uh, but this was an igad meeting. The chairman of the African Commission was present, and he also indicated that he had nominated three uh, individuals or three uh, envoys to be part of the peace process to work in conjunction with IGAD. Now, Sudan... Uh, from the Buruhan angle, says that they want to withdraw from IGAD. But you can see it was an IGAD decision. It was not a unilateral decision of Kenya. Uh, and therefore, to continue alleging that Kenya is biased uh, or is partisan in this issue is not correct. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: because of time, our
6: last question: Should we expect a between President Ruto and the Opposition leader uh,
5: The president is the president of all Kenyans, and uh, all I can tell you is that uh, President Ruto has adopted a position that whether uh, somebody voted for him or did not vote for him, he is the president of Kenya, and he's the president. For all those millions of Kenyans uh, who constitute the state of Kenya, Raila included, and uh, his mission and his objective has been that uh, after elections, we should not create enmity. Political competition should not be defined as enmity to the extent that people cannot talk together.
6: So Kenyans
1: should not be shocked to see they
5: see Raila and Ruta's In working. fact, uh, my view is that they should be happy. It's not about shocked. They should be happy to see that political leaders can engage. That is what civilized nations should do. So if if uh, there is a more robust engagement between President Ruto and uh, and uh, Raila Odinga, I think Kenyans should be happy about it. That is the, the, those.
0: That's Kenya's Prime Cabinet Secretary and the Cabinet Secretary for Foreign Affairs in Diaspora, Musalia Mudavidi, speaking to my colleague, Huba Abdi. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus from The Voice of America. Coming up, an Australian journalist escapes a death penalty. Find out how.
4: Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus 1-202-630-8011. That is plus 1-202-630-8011.
0: You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from The Voice of America. An Australian-Chinese writer, Yang, has been given a suspended death sentence by Chinese court. He was arrested and accused of spying five years ago. There has been no official comment so far from the Chinese Ministry of Foreign
7: Affairs about the sentence. From Sydney, Phil reports. Australia's Foreign Affairs Minister Penny Wong said the Chinese court's decision was harrowing and appalling. She said she'd summoned China's ambassador in Canberra for an explanation. Australian officials say the death sentence imposed on the writer and activist Yang Jun may be commuted to life imprisonment after two years for good behaviour. Yang, who blogged about Chinese affairs, had always denied allegations of espionage. The specific charges against him have not been made public. The Chinese-born Australian citizen has denied working as a spy for Australia or the United States. Speaking in Canberra Monday, Foreign Minister Wong said Australia would continue to ask for the writer's release. The Australian government
3: has advocated for Dr Young with China at every opportunity and at the highest levels. We have consistently called for basic standards of justice, procedural fairness and humane treatment for Dr Young in accordance with international norms and China's legal obligations. Australia will not relent in our advocacy for justice for Dr Young's interests
7: and wellbeing. Yang was arrested in Guangzhou, China in 2019, at a time when diplomatic relations between Australia and China were rapidly deteriorating over various geopolitical and trade disputes. His trial was held in secret in May 2021. Daniela Gavshon is the Australia director at Human Rights Watch, an advocacy organisation. She told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation that Yang's treatment in China is appalling.
8: Like everyone else,
6: we are shocked. It is an outrageous, outrageous outcome for Dr Yang and his supporters. And it's not evidence of any wrongdoing, but really of Beijing's corrupt and opaque criminal justice system, that someone can be sentenced to death on such scant information is deeply, deeply worrying.
7: Australia's ambassador to China has previously accused Chinese authorities of arbitrarily detaining Yang. In October, China released Australian journalist Cheng Lei, who'd been in detention for more than three years. She was accused of supplying state secrets overseas, an allegation she denied. Australian officials say she was freed after legal proceedings against her came to an end. No other details were given. Australia's left-leaning government came to power in May 2022 and has sought to stabilise relations with China, while stressing that there would be areas of difficulty and disagreement. Analysts say Yang's sentence could make it harder for both sides to ease diplomatic tensions. Phil Mercer, VOA News, Sydney.
0: With both a show of military might and a stronger push for a diplomatic solution, the United States is trying to contain a broader war in the Middle East. With the backdrop of Israel's war against Hamas, Iran-backed forces in the region are committed to continuing their attacks against Western interests. Here is VOA's Veronica Baldras iglesias with the details.
6: (laughs) Even after a U.S.-led coalition successfully struck 36 Houthi targets in Yemen on Saturday, the United States can't rule out more attacks by the Houthis or by Iran-backed militias in the Middle East, warned National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on ABC's This Week Show.
9: The central purpose of the strikes has been to take away capabilities uh, from the Iranian-backed militias in Iraq and Syria that are attacking our forces and from the Houthis that continue to threaten Red Sea shipping. And we believe they had good effect in reducing, degrading the capabilities of the militias and of the Houthis. And, As necessary, we will continue to take action.
6: But the Houthis have vowed to continue their military operations, which they affirm are in retaliation for Israel's war against Hamas targets in Gaza. More than 27,000 Palestinians have been caught in the crossfire and killed, and more than 66,000 injured, according to the hamas run Gaza Health Ministry. Yemeni Minister of State Nabil Mahsan Abunashtan.
10: What we see of aggression, siege, genocide, and a medicine blockade on our brothers in Gaza. Citizens of Yemen, its tribes, weapons, and men are getting ready to face this aggression and do what they can.
6: Israel's military campaign was launched in response to the Hamas terrorist incursion into Israeli territory on October 7. Some 1,200 people were killed in that attack, and 240 more were taken captive. On Sunday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said 17 out of 24 Hamas battalions have been toppled so far.
5: Most of the remaining battalions are in the southern Gaza Strip and in Rafah, and we will take care of them too.
6: The U.S. is boosting its push for a diplomatic solution to the conflict with a new visit by U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken to the region. A multi-stage proposal for extended pauses in fighting and the release of hostages in exchange for Palestinian prisoners in Israel is also in the works. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan spoke about the matter on ABC.
9: The president has put his shoulder to the wheel on this. He has spoken to the leaders of both Qatar and Egypt, two countries that are centrally involved in trying to broker this deal. We are in constant contact with our Israeli counterparts on it. And Hamas will have to be willing uh, to say yes to an arrangement that uh, brings hostages home.
6: Sullivan noted the deal isn't imminent and no timetable can be provided. His remarks came after the United Nations warned Friday that the Rafah border area in particular is becoming, quote, a pressure cooker of despair for displaced Palestinians in Gaza. Veronica Valderas Iglesias, VOA News, Washington.
0: And that's all we prepared for you this Monday, February 5th, 2024. We now leave you with Lomerica Jasban and the song Salam Ya Sudan. My apologies. The musician is Victoria Ole and the song Salamia Sudan.
1: خلي بتضم وحياه خلي مسكيت وكوف بيت هوم ااو السلام بينو حيكش المات دفا زمن خلي بتضم وحياه خلي
6: مسكيت وكوف بيت هوم ااو السلام
0: That's Victoria Ole and Kasang Dedi singing that song "Salamiya Sudan." I'm your host John Tanza on this live broadcast from Studio 14 here in Washington. On behalf of our producer Kwame Ofori and engineer Kang, we wish you a lovely evening. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.
9: editorial, reflecting the views of the United States government.
8: Twenty years ago, the U.N. Security Council began receiving reports of violence in Darfur when former President Bashir chose to combat rebellion through the collective punishment of communities. Never punished for their role in atrocities, some of the same actors are victimizing some of the same communities that survived genocide 20 years ago, said Mark Simonoff, U.S. legal advisor to the United Nations.
10: We see the rapid support forces deploying the same methods of violence we condemned in the early 2000s. Murderous attacks on civilians along ethnic lines, widespread sexual violence and burning and looting of villages. Also a feature of past violence, Sudanese armed forces bombing in Khartoum, across Darfur and in many other areas puts civilians at further risk.
8: The reports are appalling, said Mr. Simonoff. Rapid support forces and affiliated Arab militias are targeting non-Arab groups, particularly the Masalit. Rapid support forces and allied forces are going into communities and hunting men and boys, shooting people, desperately fleeing their homes, and stealing everything of value while burning the rest. The deliberate, systematic sexual violence committed against women and girls across Sudan is an outrage to our shared humanity, declared Mr. Simonoff.
10: Across Darfur, in Khartoum, and in many other cities and villages, reports indicate that women and girls are attacked in their homes or kidnapped from the streets and subject to rape and gang rape. Eyewitnesses have seen handcuffed women and girls on the back of trucks being transported towards Darfur.
8: In the interest of pursuing justice in Sudan, the United States has designated Ahmed Haroun, former minister of state for the interior under Bashir, under its war crimes rewards program, said Mr. Simonov.
10: Through this program, the United States can pay an award of up to five million U.S. dollars for information that leads to Haroun's arrest, transfer, or conviction for war crimes or crimes against humanity before the ICC.
8: The Sudanese authorities must permit international criminal court teams unimpeded access to key witnesses and respond to requests for information with respect to the whereabouts of Bashir, Haroun, and Abdel Rahim Hussein. The pursuit of peace and justice in Sudan will take the dedicated efforts of the entire international community. Let us work urgently to end the impunity, said Mr. Simonov. that breeds further violence, address the humanitarian crisis, and support the Sudanese people and their aspirations for a peaceful future.
10: That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government.